Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 81. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend and co-host, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm doing excellent, sir. How about yourself? Oh, doing very well. We are excited to jump into 1 Timothy, as promised two weeks ago. But we're actually going to start it today. Hopefully you read it 14 times. And you are ready to dive into 1 Timothy chapter 1. A little bit of housekeeping to get us started. First, you are going to hear some cooking in the background. Our fearless third member, Carter, is cooking us breakfast. Oh, yeah. Um, And we did not want him to have to wait until we were done recording. Breakfast burritos. Breakfast burritos. burritos. And because we are a very professional podcast, we are going to let the sizzling sausage and bacon uh, be in the background. So hopefully it makes you hungry. Oh, man. It It smells great. I'm, I'm so hungry right now. Yeah. Smells wonderful. So we're going to have that going on in the background. You hear some of that noise. And, of course, the occasional dog will probably bark and or chew on things. Um, get over it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so before we get started, do us a favor. Jump over to uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and follow us and like us and interact with us. Find us on any platform you listen to our podcast. Give us a subscribe. Give us a five-star review on Apple if you're willing to do so. That would be wonderful. We would like to see that continue to go. And also jump on patreon.com slash rooted in Logos and support us as we continue to try to move this thing forward, get some new equipment, get some advertising going, maybe eventually jumping into a, a couple of events that we need some finances to yeah. get into and be really cool to do that. So we could do that with your help, and we would greatly appreciate it. I have a few things I wouldn't mind talking about to start us off, but I feel like it would take us down a path that would take a long time. Oh, no. Um, have you heard about the Balenciaga stuff? The, the, the fashion company, Balenciaga. Balenciaga. I don't know. Sounds like a Lamborghini or something. A Lamborghini, so, Balenciaga. Is that, a, is that a thing? Lamborghini, Balenciaga? I have no idea. But Balenciaga? Balenciaga? I don't know. <laughs> but Balenciaga is a fashion company, and they put out a an ad campaign using kids which i mean a lot of fashion companies do that on the surface not a big deal but in this case they were exploiting said kids with uh teddy bears dressed up in um uh what's the best way to say it Um, bdsm clothing if you don't know what that is maybe don't look it up (laughs) but it's uh it's not good and so there's a big backlash and 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 from that and what blows my mind is that there's a certain group on the political left that won't condemn this. They won't come out and say, this is atrocious and this, this company is to be held into account. And it just it blows my mind. But wow. if you don't know anything about it, it, it's hard to have a discussion about it. <laughs> I, I saw something about, it was, I think maybe a country singer's wife said she's done with it or something yeah. like that. And I didn't really look into it after that. Yeah, I know, it, it's, it's hard to keep up with stuff, but... And then Kanye has gone completely off the rails. Um, He has been brought up once on an episode when Austin, I think, was either sick or out of town. Uh, I had my buddy Steven come on, and he we talked about Christian music and and kind of what it would take to bring Christian music back to the back to its glory days. And and he had mentioned Kanye as being like, we need to not necessarily follow exactly what he's doing, but you know, make music the way he's making music in a creative way. So Kanye has a little bit of a tie to us because we've we've talked about him a little bit. Yeah. And he has gone completely off the rails um, with some of his comments about Hitler and, and the Jews. And it, he, he is apparently a Holocaust denier, so that, that's an oh, interesting no. development uh, from, from him. He did a... Uh, do you know Alex Jones, the, the InfoWars guy? I've heard uh, of him, yeah. Yeah, he, he, is, he is out there, man. He is, he is something else. And when, when you can leave Alex Jones speechless, you know you've taken it to next level <laughs> on the crazy wow. scale. So yeah. just a couple of pop culture things that... Uh, have dominated the headlines over the last few days. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of hot takes other than, man, this world is uh, it's, 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 it's a tough place to be. It is true. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is a tough place to be. But that was uh, a little diatribe that may or may not make it into this episode. Either way, we're going to dive into First <laughs> Timothy chapter 1. Uh, so for those of you who haven't listened to us for very long or haven't gone back and listened to some of our old stuff, we like to take a book of the Bible, read a chapter, and then just go verse by verse discussing the chapter. And, and we have the goal of finishing a chapter a week. doesn't always happen. It may not happen today. It might. Who knows? Yeah. But we have the goal to, to, to finish uh, a chapter a week and get through an entire book of the Bible. And so we're going to start with First Timothy. This week we're doing First Timothy 1. <clears throat> if we finish it, we are doing First Timothy 2 next week before we get into a couple more topics. 
uh, centered around Christmas and, and yeah. different things. But we will eventually make our way through the entirety of First Timothy. Yeah. Uh, and then our goal, our plan is to then jump into Second Timothy and go through that. Uh, we did it through Romans. Um, that was probably the, f- I think that's the only book we've done so yeah. far. Yeah. And that took a while. Like, it was really cool. We went really deep into it. Go back and listen to that. Go back and check it out. If there's a particular chapter you like, just... Find that one on the podcast feed and, and take a listen to Romans. And we're going to do that with First Timothy. Yeah. So I'm ready to get started. If you- cool. Yeah. And the, our goal isn't like a super, super in-depth study because we could take Timothy for the next several months. But the point is to get into it enough to where it gets you in, not just reading through it and then moving on to the next reading segment, but to, to be thinking about each verse, what what's its content, what's its meaning, what's its context. And that way it gets you deeper and hopefully getting you to get into a deeper study. But then every once in a while, like with Romans, we we hit a couple of verses where we're like, nah, we, we need to spend an entire episode on this verse. Yeah. So I think Timothy will probably be the same. We'll, we'll go through and we might hit a couple verses or a couple segments where we're like, yeah, we need to spend some more time on this one. Versus others where we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving. We can get deeper, but we'll, we'll just keep moving. So let's just dive into a little bit of the background of Timothy. Obviously, um, you know, just even on the greeting, it is written by Paul to Timothy. In verse 3, uh, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. So Paul is writing Timothy, who is in Ephesus. There are some deep things in Timothy. And in, in First Timothy, and, and we're gonna really get into that. I think First Timothy is very practical. There's not a lot of extensive doctrinal instruction in First Timothy. You know, Timothy has has been taught by Paul and has been studying under Paul, and so he has an understanding of a lot of these deeper theological topics. And so it's not like a ton of new doctrine necessarily in First Timothy. It's a lot more instructive. It's a lot more of, of hey, here's how we need to communicate this truth. Right. Yeah. Reading it for what it is, it's a lot of application. It's this is what we do as Christians. Do this. Don't do this. And yeah. As we read through it, we'll we'll figure that out. And to give a little bit more basis for for Timothy, uh, jump, jumping to Second Timothy chapter one, uh, verse five, Paul says, "I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you." To fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of many hands. So the, this relationship between Paul and Timothy is is deep. It's not just a they they've hung out sometimes. They they went to a youth ministry <laughs> uh, conference. No, yeah, Timothy, like Brett said, has sat under Paul for a long time. Yeah, and so yeah, well, let's dive into it. You want first half? I'll take second. Yeah, half? let's get it. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, we will, uh, our, our, our format as we read through the entire chapter uninterrupted, uh, and then we go back and start in verse 1 and just go verse by verse. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of our God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia... Remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good, if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, pointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me 
with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. First Timothy chapter one. Timothy, there's a lot going there's on. There's a in this. lot in here, and I really like. There, there's a little bit of like kind of ebbs and flows to what he's talking about. Yeah. And so Paul here, I've noticed, he really speaks with authority. He speaks with power, and that is actually an indication that that people will take this as part of the Bible. Yes, and, and take what he says as authoritative, and he does. He speaks with authority. He speaks with with confidence, but also with a ton of humility. And, and you'll see that in the later half of this chapter where he talks about being the chief of sinners or the foremost of sinners. Mm-hmm. A lot of humility because he knows where he came from. And we're going to get into that. It's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But I just really like kind of the, the confidence and just like, hey, don't teach anything contrary to what I'm teaching you. Yes. But also understand I am still humble and I'm still, you know, I'm still the chief of sinners. I'm still the foremost sinner. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool dichotomy there. But jump up to verse 1 and 2. I mean, of course, it's a greeting. I think there's a couple things we can point out. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. That's verse 1. And I just want to point out a couple things. God our Savior, he is going back to the Old Testament mm. and, and showing that, hey, God is the author of our salvation. And, and all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, throughout the history of the Jewish people, God is the only source of salvation. He is the only one that brings them victory in any sense, in a spiritual sense, in a physical sense. It's all God. So he's kind of alluding back to the Old Testament saying, okay, this started at the beginning, God being our Savior, and Christ Jesus our hope. He is our hope for our future. He is is the reason why we have the ability to come to God at this point. And as Gentiles, as people outside of the Jewish community, we are grafted in because of Christ Jesus. So just our hope for salvation, our hope, you know, for for glory and despite our sin, mm-hmm. it's Christ Jesus. Yeah. Well, and so it's cool. We're recording this Saturday. So the week this comes out, Advent-wise, we will be in the week of week two faith. So, but right now we're still in week week one of hope. So, who is our hope? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is our hope. So for me, that's kind of a cool tidbit. But I want to look at, so with verse one, apostle, real quick, talking about apostles. Do we still have apostles today? And my answer would be yes and no. <laughs> it's, um, never, it's never simple with you. Austin. I know, it's, it's not. not. Never, never simple. It is never simple. <laughs> but Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So the the best way I've heard it explained is you have um, big A apostle versus little A apostle, kind of like capital A God versus lowercase A God. Or sorry, capital you have G. capital so G. How, how are you spelling God? Yeah, uh, it, with an A, <laughs> definitely. You just get rid of the the dangly stick and okay, got gotcha. A. Okay, anyway, yeah. anyway, <laughs> so. Capital A Apostle is the apostle that was sent out by God. As Paul writes in Corinthians, how he was the last. Untimely, but he was the last apostle sent by truly Christ. Whereas the the word apostle just means sent one. Uh, when, When we look at the word, when we look at history, you have the the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees coming from uh whichever synagogue they were. Whenever you have one of them being sent out from a synagogue to teach whatever they're going to teach, that is the word that would be used. They are the sent one from that synagogue to teach whoever taught them what they've sent them. So, the the premise is they are being sent out with the authority of that synagogue and whoever's in charge of that synagogue basic premises 
here too. The the when we look at the Greek, yes, but you also have to look at the Hebrew that was used. And the Hebrew word is the sent one. And so Paul and the rest of the apostles were sent out by Christ, literally and physically by Christ. Whereas And Paul you you see that on his journey to Damascus yes. and his conversion experience. And that that whole story, that whole plot from from Paul or Saul at the time, yeah. changed his name to Paul. That is the moment where Christ literally sent him out and made him an apostle. An apostle. Capital A apostle. Yeah. So the rest of us, we are little A apostles. So as little A apostles, we are being sent out with the authority of God, with scripture, being sent out by universal church. Big C church. Big C church, yeah. But we do not have the same power and authority as say, Paul or Peter. We cannot write new scripture. Correct. All right, we are not writing new inspired scriptures. Yes. So when Paul is saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, he is one of the big A apostles. We might do another episode talking about prophets, uh, new age prophets and stuff like that, what, what that looks like. But basically, it's the same premise. So next one, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. A lot of people will look at this within the Christian community, and a lot of people, it's it's interesting, they look at it as Timothy is actually Paul's child. Like, it's mm-hmm. his his physical blood child. I don't read that just because of the second part. It says, my true, fa- my true child in the faith. For me, I, yeah. I think that's pretty pretty it, explicit. It, it, it's, we've mentioned this a lot on the show, various episodes, where... You always want to have a Paul above you and a Timothy below you, mm-hmm. right? It, Timothy was someone that Paul was pouring into. Yes. Not a blood-related, necessarily <coughs> blood-related child. Actually, not a blood-related child because we have no indication that Paul was ever married or had kids. Right. But, yeah, child in the faith, meaning Paul took Timothy under his wing and, and taught him and poured into him and, and you know, gave him instruction and taught him theology and, and gave him the ability to teach and gave him the ability to preach and proclaim the word of God. Yeah. Well, in what I, what I read earlier from Second Timothy, Paul pointing out basically Timothy's faith. Timothy's faith is sound and it's authentic and it's real. And e- even with right here, my true child in the faith. The, the, for me, this is showing that Timothy is a true believer. He's a true teacher and he is according to sound doctrine. Not only just because of Paul, but because of the way he was raised. And he did not depart from it. He stayed true to it. So as we go into these next segments, it's warning against false teachers. And the whole reason why Timothy stays at Ephesus is very important. Timothy is there to, much like when Paul is writing Titus, he's appointing elders. He's appointing and placing church leadership in Ephesus, and he's there making sure that they are sticking to sound doctrine, which means Timothy knows his stuff. He, yeah. And he not only knows his stuff, he's willing to convey it effectively, and he's able to defend it. So I'm sure Timothy was an avid an apologist, but just amazing. I love it. Well, and, and I think, too, we also see here that Timothy is... Paul's like most valued protege, most valued companion. Yeah. In this, um, so the, the, these these are very very close friends, mm. and and v- they have a deep relationship. Yes. So yes. So keep that in mind as we're reading that who he's writing to and who he is, you know, who Timothy is yeah. in this because th- th- there is a, you know, all throughout Timothy and, and all throughout Paul's letters in general, but it's, but specifically here because we're obviously in Timothy. <laughs> Paul can get harsh, and Paul can get a little like, man, you're a little little dogmatic. And it's because of how much Paul cares, not only for the people he's writing to as a whole, you know, the Romans, the Galatians, the Ephesians. He loves Timothy, Mm -hmm. and he wants Timothy to stay sound, to not get swayed by these false teachers, to not get, you know, blown off course, so to speak. He wants Timothy to stay solid and grounded and rooted in the faith. Yes, and so he's going to be harsh at times, or sound harsh at times, because it's that tough love mentality. Yeah, reading through First and Second Timothy, getting getting a, a little bit of a grasp on their relationship, I I could see Timothy getting this letter and reading through it with love, but also reading through it with I know Paul, I I, I know his fervor <laughs> and his spirit for the Lord, and he's reading through it like okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, 
not a, well, I don't really want to do it. But no, it, it just sounds like Timothy was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into the actual meat of First Timothy yeah. chapter 1. We'll start verse 3 and 4, because it's a run-on sentence like Paul likes to do. So, verse 3 and 4 say, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So what is going on there? There's a lot to unpack in just those two verses. Um, Obviously, we kind of touched on this. Paul wanted Timothy to remain at Ephesus for the sole reason to guard against false teachers. Yeah. To call them out, to make sure they don't infiltrate the church, to make sure that they are not having any kind of authority over over the Christians, uh, especially the baby Christians, right? I think it implies a little bit of that, where the weaker Christians can get led astray by these false teachers. Yes. So it's, it's interesting. So verse 3, as I urge, or I urged you. So he he's already talked to him in person. He's already urged him to stay at Ephesus, and then he writes him to kind of, not not to solidify it, but to back it up and say, okay, I've urged you to stay there. Probably they, they've talked about it, but now I'm writing all this down for you. You have a blueprint and a roadmap, yeah. which is great because we have it too. Yeah. <laughs> Praise be to God. But he urges him. It, it's not a command, Timothy, you are going to stay here at Ephesus. He urges him, and Timothy is just does Obedient. It. And he's, yeah. Ob- yeah. And, and going back to... My true child in the faith. Timothy honors Paul. He honors Paul with this, and it, and it's beautiful because he's also following the commandments. He's honoring his father in a spiritual sense, and it's not his physical father. And going back to Christ, call no man father because only God the Father. But man, that it's sounds so beautiful. That's it's bacon. So loud. That is bacon. Yep. We're making bacon. Oh. Anyway, I'm so distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's honoring Paul by by staying here and doing what he's supposed to do. So he's in Ephesus, and Paul says, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Charge them. So that in the English, uh, just charge. You know, it it not necessarily a command. It sounds like you know, just just tell them, just tell them, don't do this. But but. The Greek here is a little bit more powerful than just charge. It, it's command. It's command them, do not teach anything different than what you have been taught and that you have been heard. It's got a military connotation to it. Yeah. And, and the subordinate is to obey the command from the higher ranking official. Yes. You, you do this. This yeah. is good. Do this. And he's doing it to certain persons. He's not going to the, the entire church at Ephesus and everyone that's going and saying to all of them, don't teach anything different, because then that would mean everyone at the church are teachers. But he he is predominantly talking to the elders. He's talking to the leadership of the church, in which Timothy would have already been acquainted with. He probably would have probably appointed several of them. Right. But he's charging them, he's commanding them, saying, look, from the authority of Paul, of which I have been sent, and then not only I, but Paul being sent from God is charging you, as in commanding, do not teach anything different. I think there is an implication here that this is starting to become a problem. Yes. Where people who had major influence within the church were starting to teach things that were contrary to, to sound doctrine. <laughs> Which we get into with later chapters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've all seen this, especially in America, where, especially in the age of, of mega churches and mega pastors and celebrity pastors, we, we see this tendency for a congregation or a group of believers or, or, or whatever, they follow that leadership no matter where they go. Yes. They don't use that Berean method of making sure what they say aligns with Scripture. Yeah. And so I think that's the problem they're starting to run into here is that these people have, they have authority within the church, they have influence within the church, and the congregation is probably going to blindly follow them because we're sheep, right? Yeah. And, and so instead of being critical thinkers and, and thinking on their, for themselves and, and looking at what Paul has written and what scripture says, you know, on their own to make sure what's being taught matches, yeah. they're just going to say, oh, well, he's here he has authority. Timothy placed him here. Or Paul placed him here. He must be sound. He must be great. So I'm going to take him at his word no matter what he says. Yes. 
And that's where it becomes dangerous. You start following the pastor rather than following the scripture and right. following what God has actually said. Yeah. And and they had all this laid out. They they uh, they by this time they should have already had certain writings. They would have known one Paul, Timothy. They would have known about Peter. They would have known about a lot of these people. And the point is when someone newer comes in or someone comes in teaching something that is contrary and different to what they've been hearing. One, going back to the Old Testament, yes, to the Torah, um, but also just going back to what they have heard in the past from the other apostles, from Paul, and being like, all right, this does not match up from the letters that we've received. This does right. not match up from the straight teaching from Paul that we've received. And that's what Paul is addressing Timothy to address. Like, I have been to Ephesus. I've already talked to these guys. I've taught them. I've, I've been teaching them. And do not let them teach anything different. And so that's what Timothy is doing. So verse 4, after persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. This is important. I mean, all of it's important, but not only was this back then, but we see this today. If you have ever been in a conversation with anyone that it starts leading down rabbit trails of, I mean, exactly what it says, speculations, uh, myths, endless genealogies. So specifically for the Jews, genealogy was so important. And to a point, yes. I mean, the reason why it was important and it was held together for as long as it was, was because they had to have Christ's genealogy. Christ's genealogy was very important. So there was a reason why God allowed it to continue, their, them keeping such detailed records of genealogies all the way up to Christ, because we had to be able to take his line back to David. Right. That, that was to fulfill That's prophecy. Yeah. And so past that, it, it really doesn't matter. Why? Because it, going back to, to Paul talking about, you know, for us... We're descendants of Abraham by way of faith, not not nationality or genealogy, but by faith. And so, devoting yourselves to learning your family history, there, there's a cool part to it, but is that all you do? It is it is fun. It's pretty cool. We, I mean, we've looked at some of our family history going back to Scotland and Wales and Ireland to like the 1300s. Great. It, that's, it was kind of cool because I didn't have to do any of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just family who did it. But there, there's a cool part to it, but don't get lost in it. Right. And then with myths. This one's big because it could... Oh, man. Oh, man. Carter just gave us some bacon. Hold on. <laughs> I got to try this. Who says pigs are unclean? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, myths. I, I, like, I can't even dive into this enough. And I'm trying to think of examples. Okay. Start with COVID. There is truth to a lot of the speculations. Um, talking about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Talking when we've talked about that a lot. So I'm not going to go deep into it, but just it's bad. It's not good for you. We know that. We have science to prove it now. Good science. Good true science, science. Real science. Yeah. But how deep are you going to go down the rabbit trail? It is. We know it's bad, but are you, I'm trying to do this tactfully. <laughs> Do not waste your time on going down rabbit trails and I'm trying to I'm trying to put this together. Diving into conspiracy theories and, and really getting lost and immersed and, and caught up in conspiracy theories to a detriment, right? Yes. I mean, like for me, there there are so, there are a couple of conspiracy theories. I'm like, you know what, there's some there might be some validity to some of these. And I might read a little bit. Yeah. But man, you, you can get too deep into that. And then you start questioning everything if if you really start diving into some of this stuff and i think and it's that not that questioning's be, bad no but no, no you get lost you get lost and i think that's what paul is talking about here is people getting lost in the myths lost in the you know maybe some of the greek traditions are coming in with the greek gods and the hedonism and, yep. and some of the stuff that was going on in that culture you know you have the the roman gods who, who worship caesar you know even like like an actual physical human that they yeah. worship as a god, and, and maybe that's what's going on here, is that they are allowing some of that doctrine, some of that mythology to creep into the church and creep into the Christian faith, where maybe we can take some elements of the old Egyptian gods, or maybe we can take some elements of the Greek gods or some of the Roman <coughs> traditions and bring them in and allow them to kind of fester and infiltrate in there, which then really leads down a path of, of you know, worshiping false gods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Praying to Mary. Ooh. Ooh. 
Anyway, we're going to have an episode on cults, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, endless myths, or to themselves, myths and endless genealogies, which promote what? Speculations. What is speculations, Brad? Oh, I immediately think of conspiracy theories. Yeah. I immediately start thinking of being suspicious of everything and everyone and, and of, you know, being paranoid almost. So the the dictionary definition of speculations is the forming of a theory or conjecture without firm evidence. So firm evidence or evidence at all, and you're just starting to spout a theory that has really no truth behind it. That's what Paul's talking about. And I I mean, we have Matt, like we talked about massive conspiracy theories today. Some of our, some of them are conspiracy fact. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when we do, we have true evidence behind it. Exactly. Versus we really don't. I'm going to throw this one out. We're not going to get deep into it, but flat earth versus round earth. I think it, it's cool. It's fun. Yeah. Talk about it, but don't get sucked into it. Be, one of the reasons is why is it important? Unless you are a pilot or a, <laughs> or a um, <clears throat> cargo ship, whatever, and you're literally trying to sail around the earth. Do, do you notice that no one that holds to a flat earth theory are actually pilots? You that is know, true. You ever notice that? That is true. Okay. There are theories on why that is. But it's well, yeah. <laughs> but the point being, are you being so consumed by this that you are letting it completely change your outlook on life? Everything you hear now is tainted. Yeah. You, we need to be careful for that. It, so it, watch that. It's all about evidence, right? It's all about knowing. It, what's the point of this podcast? It's about knowing what you believe and why you believe it, and the evidence behind your beliefs. Yes. And know and and having this i this knowledge and this foundation of hey, I have backup to what I believe. Yes. And, and I can show you whether that's backup just through observation, whether it's backup through science, whether it's backup through tradition. Whatever the case is, there's so many different avenues of arguments that, that allow you to solidify your faith. And what Paul is saying here is is don't get distracted by things that have no evidence. That yes. things that are contrary to what not only what we teach and what we're talking about, but also that just have no basis in reality. Yeah. And, yeah. and that that's a huge one. A lot of people that, that, ha- that get consumed by this are consumed by things that have no basis in reality whatsoever. Yes. No evidence to back them up. I mean, obviously, you cannot, without... With 100% certainty, and I think, I hope I say this and Austin doesn't yell at me, but (laughs) I don't think there's a way to definitively, 100% certain, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove that there is actually a physical God. I don't think you can do that on this earth because we don't have, he's not a physical being here with us right now. Faith. And that's where faith Faith. comes in, and that's where (laughs) you also look at the evidence. You look at history you look at creation you yeah. look at the bible you look at extra biblical texts and writings and teachings and say wow this all makes sense yeah because logic makes sense and dictates that mm-hmm. that there is a god creation dictates that there's a god history history dictates that there's a god yeah the bible dictates that there's a god <laughs> right. so there's all these things that say okay yes we cannot without with 100% immediate amazing we can't necessarily prove you also can't prove there isn't a god because right. you can't prove a negative right <laughs> right but we have faith yeah and we have the evidence to back it up and so can we definitively prove that the earth is round actually yes <laughs> sometimes it's not depends accepted. on which side of the aisle you're on <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but i mean exactly have the facts and have the knowledge to back up what you believe yeah well in leading into apologetics if you don't know what apologetics is go back to what is it? We did eight eight episodes? Eight episodes on apologetics? Episodes. Yeah. It's just knowing what you believe, how, how you believe it, and being able to convey it effectively. Defense of your faith. Being able to, when someone asks you, you know, what are you? You can say Christian. They're like, you, what kind of Christian? Because that's actually a very important question. It's like, well, I, I believe in scripture. I believe in the Bible. And they throw a question at you and they 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 ask you so okay well how do you know that the bible is is real and true and instead of just saying well i just believe it because that's not an answer that's that's a horrible answer you can actually look at them and say i believe that scripture is the word of god because of xyz right and and knowing a little bit of your history knowing when the canon of scripture was officially recognized versus when it was unofficially recognized but everyone within the first and second century were using it right and you go back to those episodes and listen to them if you don't 
Because that is important. Because when someone asks you, an unbeliever asks you that, or even just a believer who's questioning their faith asks you that, you need to be able to have an answer for that. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna, and it's also gonna help you personally from deconstructing. It's gonna keep yes. you from going down this progressive path mm-hmm. in, in the deconstruction path, and it's gonna allow you to not deny teachings like hell. Teachings like actual, the, the wrath of God that is real. Yes. The wrath of God that will be poured out on this earth and on those who do not believe. Mm-hmm. It's not a comfortable topic. It's not a quote-unquote nice topic, right? But it is a topic that is taught in scripture. It is something that cannot be denied. And it is being denied on a very big scale in the Christian faith and in the Christian church. People are denying these teachings because they are easily swayed by these teachers who mm-hmm. are teaching different doctrines. Yes. And they are blindly following your Osteens and your yes. Benny Hens and they're blindly fo- And I say that because I personally don't know a ton of people who who follow Joe Osteen and, and I'm not sure how many people do to be honest with you. I think he might be his name might be bigger than he actually is. Although his church is huge. But anyway. It's true. But okay. But what about your Bill Johnsons? What about your Stephen Furtick's? What about Todd White? Some of these people that are very popular, actually oh, yeah. popular, oh, yeah. that I see people posting their stuff on Facebook. I see people posting their things. I'm like, man, guys, if you don't pay attention to what they're actually teaching, you're mm-hmm. going down a dangerous path here because they're not teaching the doctrine of that the, the, the Bible talks they about. They are literally doing the opposite of what Paul is telling Timothy to do. They are teaching a different doctrine than what has been taught. Yeah. And unless you know scripture and unless you know the Bible, you're not going to know that. But they sound good. But they right? do. They sound they good. They sound and good. They use portions of the Bible yeah. to make to it make, to make sound it legit. Good. The whole point of, of that little side, side trail that we right. went on was just be careful. Mm-hmm. You need to be firm in your faith. You need to take that Berean method and check what your pastor, what, what you're listening to, the people you, you let influence your spiritual life. Make sure they are being faithful to the doctrine that is taught in the Bible. Yes. I'm not talking about make sure they are reformed or not reformed. Some of these secondary issues, some of these things that are open for debate. Not debate, but open for discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the core doctrine of Scripture yes. and, and teaching things that fly against that, like the prosperity gospel flies directly against very specific verses in, in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And very specific teachings of Jesus himself. Yeah. In this world, you will have trouble. According to the prosperity gospel, you shouldn't have any trouble. If you do, it's because you don't have faith. Right. Like, that is not true. It's not what the Bible says. There are things in the Bible that don't make you feel good and warm and loving. When the Bible talks about hell and eternal punishment and the lake of fire, that should not make anybody feel good, right? Now, on some level, it can make you feel good that you have a way to avoid it. Yeah. Right? And you have the answer to say, hey, I don't have to experience this. But it shouldn't make you feel good and warm and fuzzy. Yeah. It should put your feet to the fire, so to speak, to say, hey, I need to try to bring as many people with me as I can and, and witness and evangelize and, and, and have solid, not this hell-denying stuff that I've been seeing a lot yes. of. And there's a lot of it. There's a, a lot, lot of, of it. it. Okay, so next, the second part, last part of uh, verse 4. Promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. What is a stewardship? Not to go too deep. So stewardship, uh, thinking of it as, so when a king leaves his throne and he goes out to war or he goes out to do something that is away from his kingdom, he leaves someone in charge of the throne and of the kingdom until he gets back. And normally that is a steward if he doesn't have a queen. So the steward is in charge of making sure everything keeps going and keeps running. Right here, We are to be the stewards of what? So, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from which God, stewardship from God that is by faith. So, we are stewards of one, scripture, but we are stewards of the Holy Spirit, I would say as well. And we are stewards of this faith. We, We are, as the king is at the right hand of God right now in heaven, we are here as stewards. Workers. Workers. Yeah. The... As, as we've read through scripture, this is his kingdom. His kingdom has been established. This is his. And we are waiting for the king to return. So until he returns, we are here on earth as a steward, as a caretaker, as someone who is to keep in order the kingdom until he returns. Right. And going back to those who are teaching different doctrine, they are not good stewards. They 
are not keeping in order the kingdom, and instead they are putting in speculations. They're being divisive. They are separating the kingdom. There is, uh, it's it's a quote, but I'm not going to say the direct quote because it's long, (laughs) but it's by Paul Washer. And basically it's a a, a quick story just to give you a, a brief idea of what this looks like. So you have the king that is going out on a journey. And he, I, I believe I've, I've, I've shared this before, but, but I love it. It's powerful. Uh, he goes out on a journey and he looks at his steward and says, I am placing in charge you of the kingdom, but also of my bride. You know, keep her safe. Do what is just, what is right. Um, I am going to give you a, a list and a book of orders to follow to make it a little bit easier. That way you know exactly what to do, how to do it. Um, do not add anything to this list. Do not take anything away from it. And if you follow my orders and you, you keep my bride safe, when I come back, I will reward you immensely. But if you do not keep my orders, if you take away or add anything to it, or harm befalls my bride in any way, woe be to you. And so he goes on his journey, the steward stays, and after a while, the people of the kingdom start to get antsy. They start to get bored of the bride Mm -hmm. and the bride of of the king is is beautiful but in a simplistic way not calling her simple but that she is adorned in a a fine silk robe it's white nothing too fancy or gaudy her hair is not braided with silver and gold and put up immaculate it's it's straight and it's i guess you could say plain but in a very beautiful way. Uh, little to no makeup, but the steward starts to worry. And so he's like, well, how about I, I make the, the queen a little bit more attractive, his bride a little bit more attractive, that way the, the people don't get so antsy and bored with her. So he puts her in a magnificent, this beautiful, gaudy dress. He gets her, her hair made up and braided in intricate braids with gold and silver braided in her hair. Just plasters her face with makeup so that you can't even tell it's her anymore. What do you think the king is going to do when he gets back? When he gets back and he sees his bride not the way he left her, not the way he wants her, and the rule book in which he gave the steward has been thrown out the window or completely left on the desk with dust covering it. He is going to get back and he is going to pull his sword. And he's going to lop off the head of the steward because the steward had failed him. And, and that is what would be done. So we need to put that into play because we are the stewards. Um, for those who teach, especially for the pastors, I'm speaking to you. If you are doing this to the bride, like Stephen Furtick, like Joel Olstein, if you do not change what you are doing and go back to the original set guidelines and rules in which the king has given you, when Christ returns, woe be to you. Yeah. Woe be to you. So, because that, that. Furtick specifically, and I, and I hate, well, I don't hate it, but I, I'm always a little nervous to like really dive in on him, which I do still want to do eventually. We've planned on it. We've planned on it and yeah. got derailed a little bit, but. But with, with Furtick and, and, and Bethel and Bill Johnson and, and some of these other people, it is that situation that I mentioned earlier in this episode of people just because they're good speakers, because they are convincing, because they are able to convey a message very clearly and very articulately. They have charisma. They're, they're you know, they're good at what they do. They're blindly followed. They're followed without any kind of scrutiny of what they're actually saying. A, I think. Because it makes people feel good. Like I said, it, it, that that is that is the big one, right? I mean, that is the biggest thing right now is we just want to make sure we feel good about what's being said. Yeah. And that's not always the case. There are things that are make us feel good. Yes, absolutely. The love of God makes me feel great. The, oh, yeah. The, the salvation that I have through Christ makes me feel great. But also the, hey, dummy, you're not doing things the right way. Or, hey, dork, like you're, you're, you're in this sin and I need you what to you cut doing? it out. What are you doing? Yeah. That doesn't make me feel great, right? Conviction doesn't feel good necessarily feelings right yes that's the problem and that is what paul is is really diving into and hammering home here of course we've taken it you know we've expounded upon it Mm -hmm. and and, but that's what's implied in a lot of this is it's not about your feelings it's about doing what god wants you to do the truth and it's about the truth the big t truth big t right the way the truth aletheia yeah so it's it's um it's serious stuff and it's 
it's littered all throughout Paul's writings. We're going to really get into it a decent amount in Timothy. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the whole, both books, both letters. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I don't even, what, how much time we got into this one? 54 minutes. Oh, all right. Maybe so we we'll, got, we, I think we can get through verse 11. Okay, cool. Today. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so verse 5. After that, the aim of our charge is love that ensues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So talking about these false teachers, talking about these people that are teaching false doctrine, they're not doing it in love. The charge in which Paul is talking to Timothy, it ensues from a pure heart. Well, and in this, it's the same word used, you know, in in verse three, when it says, I urged you, it's the same word. So it's the same word used in verse three, where he says, I urged you, Mm -hmm. I charged you. It is a military-esque command, where if you are a good subordinate, you will obey what the commander has said. And that's the same word. And he is defining that charge. Yes. He is defining what that is. And it is love, period. Yeah. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. love. So that is what our charge is, is love. And and that has been, mis- I can go on for hours on this one, that has been misconstrued a lot mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or so, where we've seen that progressive Christianity and, and, and the deconstruction really take hold. Yeah, It's this word love. And yes, we are all about love. Yes. But what is the most loving thing in the world to do? Not acceptance. Not accept things that are contrary to what the Bible says. Yes. It is the same way and the same reason that you might yank your toddler's arm out of socket, stopping him from going into traffic, right? That's going to be painful to that child when you grab his arm and pull him back to keep him from getting hit by a car. That's going to hurt him. But what's going to hurt worse? Getting hit by that car, right? Dying. Dying is going to be worse then your arm is sore for a little bit because daddy or mommy grabbed me aggressively Yes, in that moment. It's that whole idea that some of this is going to hurt. It's the whole, yes, I'm screaming at you. Literally, I'm yelling at you because you're about to walk off a cliff and you're not looking where you're going. And then you walk off the cliff and you're like, well, why didn't he tell me? It's like, I literally, I was <laughs> screaming at you. Yeah. Whereas everyone else who's accepting. It's okay to go your own way. Go Find your own, your own path. And they're not even looking. They, I, I sure hope. I mean, I, I pray that they're not looking at this cliff and saying, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because that's Satan. That's right, just Satan right there. Um, versus they're being deceived too. And then they're just like, yeah, yeah, go go that way. Go go that way. You're fine. That is what we have, def- what the progressive church has defined love is accepting yes. everybody. And in reality, the loving thing to do is speak the truth, whether that hurts your feelings or not, right? Again, grab them and pull them away from the cliff. Pull them away from traffic. Yes. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be comfortable, but it is necessary. And that is the most loving thing to do. I've alluded to this video multiple times on this podcast. Pin Gillette. The yeah. magician who says, you know, I don't believe in any of this. I'm an atheist. I'm a staunch atheist at that. This guy was proselytizing to me. He gave me a Bible. He was very open about why he was doing it. And it impacted him. It didn't impact him in a way of sal- to the, the salvation, but it impacted him in a way of like, man, if you truly believe you have the only way to avoid hell, why wouldn't you tell everybody about that? Right. I exactly. respect that guy for telling me because he believes he has a conviction that he has the only way to heaven. And he knows that answer. So he's going to tell me, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if I don't believe it, even if I don't like it or like him, he at least is living his convictions out. Yeah, yeah. And, and is showing and showing me in his mind the right way. So that's the way to be. Even if you're not a believer, that's the way to be. It's like, okay, at least he is living out his convictions. Be that guy. Don't worry about hurting feelings. Don't worry about, of course, be, be loving, be gentle, be firm, mm-hmm. right? There's a balance. You can be firm and be gentle at the same time. You yeah. can speak the truth in love, and people may take it the wrong way, but that's between them and God, and them and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But your task, your charge, is to love others. And loving others does not mean accepting their sin and accepting their false beliefs. Yes. And Okay. I could go on for so long I know, that. I know. <laughs> but because, so verse 6 plays with this. It says, certain persons, by swerving from these... What are these? Love that issues from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith have wandered away into vain discussions, false doctrines, vain discussions, things that are vain that have no point. And looking back at acceptance, 
Okay, there is a point, yes. When we are looking at unbelievers, you have a homosexual friend. One, yes, you're talking about repentance. You're talking about changing your ways. But first, you get them to the cross. Exactly. Um, when Christ says, come to me as you are, it's not... He, oh, he means it. He means it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not clean up, clean yourself up first and then go to the cross. It's no, come, come as you are right now. But as they come as they are right then and there, if, if they come gay to the cross... Then at that point, it's afterwards, you can't be anymore. But the point is... Can't be practicing. Can't be practicing after that. Right. Right. I, I do think, and, and this is a different topic, but I do think I, I've met people who, who have admitted, do, I am gay. Still have that desire. I have the desire to be with a same-sex partner. But because of Christ, because of the Bible, because of, of believing in him and, and what he did for me on the cross... I know it's wrong. And I, I know it's wrong, and I'm not going to yeah. do it. So they have to abstain, and that is that. That is dying to yourself. That is yeah. taking up your cross and following Him. It's denying those earthly pleasures that you have, your passions, and your passions, putting them to desires. death. Yes. Yep. So vain discussions, desiring to be teacher. Oh man. Oh man. This might be where we get caught up here. Uh, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they are making confident assertions. How many people have we listened to and heard like this? Countless. There are uh, so many. And going to, uh, not to skip too much ahead, but so chapter three, uh, we get into qualifications for pastors and elders. Right off the bat, it says in verse one, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So the desire to be a pastor, the desire to to teach people these things, to lead and pastor and shepherd a congregation is a noble thing. It is a very good thing. So desiring to be teachers of the law is a very good thing. But then we have the next part. They do not have understanding. Without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. They read through the Bible or portions of the Bible or studies on the Bible written by other people. <laughs> and they have no idea what they're talking about. Right. But they're going at it. Yeah. And this is dangerous. This is literally why. So in, in the Jewish tradition, the Jewish culture, even looking at Paul, Paul did it exactly like this. As they are young, they start going through schooling. Okay, They wake up every morning early and they, they do this schooling within the law. And they are not allowed to teach the law until they are 30. So when they're 30, when you turn of age 30, you become a rabbi. And then you can begin teaching. Why? It is because you are supposed to spend so much time learning and understanding under men that have learned and understood the law. All of it. The writings of the prophets, the Torah, everything. You cannot become a Christian and within a year of reading the Bible start start teaching. I, I believe that is very, very dangerous. Because it's so easy, and we've we've talked about this at length too. It's taking verses out of context. That's what I that's the picture I see when I read this and they make confident assertions. Mm -hmm. Right? So they will take a verse and they'll see it like, oh, where two or more are gathered, there I am in their midst. And they see that, like, that sounds great, that's awesome. And then they say it, and you're like, that's not that's what, not that, what means. that means. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, and, I don't think that what means they, what you think it means. <laughs> and they say it with confidence, and they say it with gusto, and people are like, yes, let's get it, amen. Again, what does the verse actually mm -hmm. mean? And that is, to me, exactly what this is talking about, is people like that who will read, about, read the passage and say, okay, this sounds really cool right here. This little snippet sounds great. I'm going to make a very strong statement on that verse right there. Yes. Without taking consideration anything before or after. Yes. Yeah. And and it's okay. Looking from the perspective of when you become a Christian, what is your job? Okay. Your job is the Great Commission. You are to go out. You are to teach and tell people about the gospel, baptizing. But... Everyone forgets the the next part, discipling. In order for you to disciple, you first have to be discipled. When you come to know the Lord and you're on fire and you have this fervor, if you have no one discipling you, teaching you scripture, like not, not just going once a week right. to your pastor and having him lead you through a sermon. It's like, no, someone's meeting with you and discipling you, leading you through scripture, teaching you about these things like Timothy's grandmother and mother and the way that... Paul then took Timothy under his wing and did it with Timothy. 
Timothy is based. He's steeped in the word. He's steeped in the teachings of Paul and the other apostles, and he knows them. He not only knows them, but he's able to defend them. We need to be the same way. If you have been a Christian for only a few years, and you really don't have anyone discipling you, it it will be a very dangerous thing for you to then try to get up into a pulpit or to just get into a Bible study realm and teach scripture because you don't quite have the understanding yet that you need to. Now, that's not saying that you don't have the authority to share the good news, right? share about Christ. We are to do that. And, and we can do that immediately. immediately. We can do that day one. Yes. You, you start telling people about Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He died for me. And you start telling people about that. Yeah. But it is it will be very dangerous for you to start teaching scripture to the, people. The, 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 the finer things, the meat of, yes. of the word, the meat of scripture. It, it is not, this goes beyond, like you said, the good news of the gospel, because yes. that can be day one. That can That's be a day, day one. one thing you start teaching and talking about and start and, and start proclaiming. Yeah. But this is the meat. This is the stake of, of the word. Yeah. The obedience, the, the, the how, how then should we now live, right? That, that book from, I think, Schaefer how, mm. how, or Packer. I can't remember. Either way, but how should we then live? Yeah. That is what this is talking about. The meat and potatoes of doctrine. Doctrine. Teaching, yes. Yeah. The teaching of Paul, the teaching of Peter, the teaching of Matthew, the teaching of Luke. Doctrine. Sound doctrine. That's literally what Paul is talking about in verse 3. Charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. I do want to point out, too, I really like that he says certain persons, and then toward the end of this chapter, he names those certain persons. Like yeah, he yeah. actually is like, okay, but here are the two people that I'm kind of talking about right here. Yes. And and yeah. that's why we are confident in putting out some of the names that we put out, some yeah. of the bigger names of like, look, these people are proclaiming a different doctrine. Be aware of them. Yeah. Because yeah. Paul does it. Paul does it. He does. He names names. And he publicly rebukes them. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick. Let's, uh, so verse, we've gone through verse seven, seven, confident assertions. So verse eight, we'll, we'll try to get through verse 11. If not, oh well. Actually, I mean, verse, <clears throat> if I'm looking at this right, verses eight through 11 are one sentence. Yes. So I think we can do it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'll go ahead and read it real quick. Uh, Verse 8, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, all men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. <sighs> so, and, and, and he goes, you know, he goes through this whole list. And then a couple verses down, and we're going to probably get to it next week. But a couple verses down, I have received mercy. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. I am the chief of, chief of sinners. I am the foremost of sinners. Mm-hmm. So he is laying out this whole list, and he is saying, you know what? I was basically all of these things. Yep. I am the foremost sinner, and yet I was still given grace. Yes. And so I look at these three verses as verses full of hope. Oh, yeah. Verses full of like, man, you cannot and are not too far gone to be reached by this gospel. Yes. And that is why it is so imperative so important for you to be sitting under sound teaching yes because anybody no matter who you are can come to the saving knowledge of christ no matter what you've done no matter you know your past your history you know i got into a discussion with somebody uh, recently and i had to ask the question because some of the things they were saying i had to ask the question so you you mean to say that a murderer has no hope. Someone who has committed murder has no hope of salvation. And the response I got was, I don't think so. I'm like, well, what about Paul? Yeah. What about David? What about Moses? Mm-hmm. What about these people? Well, Moses and David were in the Old Testament. Okay. But they had a hope. Yeah. They mur- Yes, they mur- Moses killed um, an Egyptian who was beating a, or mistreating a, a Hebrew. Moses killed him and fled. Yeah. David had Uriah killed. Put him in the front line of battle for the sole purpose of having him killed. Yep. So maybe he didn't <clears throat> murder him physically. It's murder with intent. But he premeditated. He premeditatedly got him killed. Yep. You know, Paul killed Christians. Premeditatedly massacred. Killed a lot of Christians. Yes. We don't have a number, but <laughs> there were a lot of them. And that's post Christ's death and ascension. Yeah. Yeah. And there is hope. There is hope for everybody. That is why sharing the gospel of criminal good news is so important. 
That is why having sound doctrine is so important. Yeah. Because, yes, there is a hell, it is real, and we all deserve to be there. But we don't have to be. Right. And if you don't have a solid grasp of doctrine and are not under solid teaching, you are going to be led astray by, the, by these people who say, well, let's just love everyone and accept them for who they are and what they do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not, that's that's not, not sound the doctrine. Gospel, and that's not sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Looking at the law. Okay. The law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this... That the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. The law was put here for us. Okay, we needed the law. And it's God's holy standard. God's holy standard. And to a point, we kind of still need the law. The law has not gone away yet because the earth has not been removed. But the law is here for us because we were ungodly. We We shouldn't be anymore, but we were ungodly. So We were sinners. We were disobedient. Yeah. All these things. But, like Brad said, there is this hope. Like Paul says, he was the foremost. So, when you come to Christ as you are, then you change. Right. Then you emulate Christ. You become more like Christ. And these things that we were under the law for, the murdering, the the striking your father and your mother, sexual, sexual immorality, all everything that that encompasses, pornography, masturbation, everything, yep. perjurers, lying, all of that should be done away with. You are not to do that anymore. And when you find yourself in that, again, you need to go back to the cross, the foot of the cross to Christ saying, Lord, please forgive me. Repent, yeah. turn away from it, and go back Doesn't to Christ. Doesn't mean it's going to be a perfect overnight thing. Oh, You're still no. going to have struggles. You're going to have struggles until the day you die the day you with die. these things, especially the sexual stuff. That is one of the most serious, quote-unquote, sins. And I say serious not in a... It's deserving of more pat- wrath than other sins. But serious is in, it's the toughest to get away from. Oh, yeah. It's the hardest to deny yourself these desires. But So you're not going to be perfect. So that don't hear, don't hear that. When you come to the cross, you come to Christ, you start to change. Your desires start to change. But the flesh is still there. Yes. And you're, I mean, and this is not to justify it, you're going to slip. You are yeah. going to. You're going to do things you shouldn't do. You're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to, you know, have these sexual desires that you act on, but it should become less and less. And when you do act on it, there should be a, a conviction. And when you do act on it, you should you should fall on your face and repent and say, hey, I am sorry. I messed that up. Yeah. When this situation comes up again, help me to not mess it up. Yeah. And you might mess it up again. And you will mess it up again. But it's, it's that repentance. It's that desire to change. And... You know, uh, uh, back in youth group days, I had a teacher that that said something to the effect of like, you know, I hit my hand with a hammer when I'm at work and I say a bad word and someone hears me and says, wait, you're a Christian. You can't say that word. And he says, well, you should have heard me six months ago. Hmm. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm still going to mess this up. I'm still going to say something I shouldn't say. But man, it's a far cry from what I was six months ago. Yeah. And and I, I whenever the other word was a bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there should be a sanctification, a process of becoming more and more like him. Become, yeah. You're not going to be perfect, unfortunately. And it all goes back to what will you do with that? If yeah. you hit your ham- hand on with the hammer and the person next to you says, wow, I thought you were Christian. You weren't supposed to do that. You're like, you're right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Exactly. Lord God, please forgive me. And then well, you move on. And you can have that conversation. It opens up a conversation. Yeah. I, it happened to me years ago when I was working at Papa John's as a manager I got frustrated with something. I said something I shouldn't have said. And my guy looks at me and goes, dude, never heard you say that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm sorry, man. Like, that's, that's should, not me. shouldn't have said that. That's not me. But I was yeah. really, I was frustrated. He in the moment. He's like, well, he said it, one, it humanized you a little bit in my mind. You know, mm. like, I realized, okay, this guy's not perfect. I'm like, that's the point. I'm not perfect. But because of Christ, because of what he's done, I can still defeat death. I can still right. end up in heaven, yeah. even though I'm not perfect. And you're right. I am not perfect. Well, what's cool is that, okay, you said it, but he was able to look at you and say, whoa. Yeah. That happened to me. I was in high school, and I was playing soccer, and I had my ribs broken and playing soccer. And um, I was laying there, and I said something I shouldn't. And like the three guys that were around me were like, whoa, loopy. I didn't know you said (laughs) stuff like that. I'm here holding my ribs. I'm like, I'm sorry. It hurts so bad. Yeah. But, But the point is, people should know that you don't normally say those right. things and then you're like yeah you're right i don't please forgive me yeah so uh, we are held to a higher standard and, and that is why this doctrine is so important because it, it allows us to know our place and know our role and know how we should live and how we should act and and how what the bible says because again 
we have we are so good at justifying our actions. We're so good at justifying our sin mm-hmm. by saying, well, God will forgive me. God loves me anyway. It doesn't matter what I do. God still loves me. And, and to some extent, that's true. However, it matters because yes. that's what the Bible teaches. It matters. You are supposed to die to yourself, deny your earthly and fleshly desires, and follow him. Yeah. And following him requires obedience. It requires a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. It requires you to not be the same person you were 10 minutes ago. Yes. Right, and that's what this sound doctrine is so important for, because otherwise it becomes a accepting of all things and all people. Yes, accepting, not loving, not not treating them with respect, not it, it's saying it's okay farther. to live the way you exactly. are. Exactly, it is accepting their actions and lifestyle as being, oh, it's okay, mm-hmm. it's fine. It doesn't matter if it's against what the Bible teaches. In fact, I don't even believe that part of the Bible. <laughs> right. right? That Bible, that Bible's not infallible. Like, there's things in there that, that shouldn't be in there. It's old. It's outdated. I can pick and choose. That's not true. But you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. So. Well, we made it so through verse 11. Verse 11. Yeah, yeah. It's 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 11. We will finish next week, verses 12 through 20, through the end of the verse, end of the chapter. So that'll push us back a week, but we said that from the beginning, that that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. So we thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this is something that helps uh, finish up. Read through 12 through 20 this week if you think about it. Uh, if you have any questions about what we said, any, any clarification needed, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that, and we will um, we will respond, and we would love to interact with as many people as we can. We thank you for the feedback on the Advent episode. We've got some great feedback on that. And some interesting um, feedback, too. <laughs> interesting feedback on that. I, I don't know if, if you guys saw it or not. The post is not active at the moment. Um, Maybe a mistake on my part. I think Austin and I were talking about that because I tried to turn off comments and it, I couldn't figure it out. And so I got really frustrated and just deleted it. Um, we got, I guess, uh, spam, not spammed, but what, someone shared yeah, it to so. an anti Christian group and we, we got hated on pretty good. Which is fine. I have no fine. problem with that. Yeah. And they didn't bully me. I just was tired of the notifications oh on my, my phone. Goodness, yeah. There were so many just constantly getting those notifications about these comments and they were getting pretty nasty. But again, that in and of itself doesn't bother me. Well, <laughs> What bothers me is that my phone just keeps going bling, 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 bling. Yeah. And, and, you, so, and you know you're getting hated on. Yeah. It's fine. So, yeah, that was actually kind of cool. I was okay with it. but uh, uh, Free publicity, man. Free publicity. And I even put on there at one point, I, I posted on there through our page. I was like, hey, listen to the episode. This this meme was somewhat, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I believe it wholeheartedly. I mean, I believe 100%. it, but it was yeah. still somewhat tongue-in-cheek yeah. because it... It was meant to be funny. Yeah, it was meant to be funny, yeah. and it was what... Something we talked about on the episode. Yeah. And it tied in perfectly to what we talked about. But neither here nor there. Give us some feedback. We'd, we'd love to interact with you. Any questions, any comments you have about this episode, about any of our episodes, uh, shoot us an email, rootedinlogospod at gmail.com. Uh, jump on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're there. Eventually on YouTube. I think Carter's going to start working on that for us. Oh, uh, trying to get us on YouTube. So we're going to have that going. I'm building a website. Hope to have that launched here yeah. pretty soon. It might be launched now. When you hear this, I don't know. It'll be rootedinlogospod.com. Got the original domain name back that's on our bracelets. So these yeah. aren't obsolete anymore. But I just have to get it published and get it built. So I'm working on that. I'm not very good at it. So we're going to, Carter's going to help, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me. I don't know. So um, <laughs> anyway, so that that's kind of where we are. We'd love to give us a five-star review. That'd be amazing. We mm-hmm. would thank you so much for that. Uh, Patreon as well. I said that at the beginning. Next week, First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. Dive into that. We will finish that up. And then we're going to talk, I think, after that is Christmas, correct? It's our Christmas episode. It might um, be. I do believe that is our next topic. Which we alluded to a lot. Yeah, we did. On our Advent episode. I'm, I'm excited for yeah, that. Yeah, Christmas is the one. Cool. Uh, is the next one. So we're excited about that. We might have somebody else on for that one. I don't know. I don't want to promise anything without knowing. Emily should be on. Okay, that's that's the one I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah. yeah, Emily might be on for that one, so that'd yeah. be great. Uh, she was awesome on this last episode. I agree. I told Austin, I, I sent him a text. <laughs> I said, if you guys... I sent both of them a text, actually. I said, if you guys... Don't um, do something on your own, or we don't have her on more than once every 80 episodes. We're making a mistake. It's a she mistake. was really good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. We will see you all next week. Until then, stay, stay rooted. rooted.